going to hit sure. record here, see what happens. This is the first time I'm doing this as well on uh, Zoom, so we'll see what happens. Yeah, sure. No but um, but yeah, I remember because uh, we met, or, or I mean, we met online uh, last year, uh, so we've only met once, uh, and we talked for a couple of hours maybe about yeah. everything and nothing. Uh, so, you know, there's no, it's not obvious that you wanted to join, join this podcast once again. So thank you for that. It's always a pleasure to just talk about interesting things with people you don't really know, as well as I'm a just random dude through the internet. You're as well a random dude through the internet, just for me. So it's just, just, you know, can't like, uh, it's beautiful just to know new people to change ideas and it's i don't know like it has a certain humanity behind it and um for certain here in europe you know like there's a lot of people who really like social distancing even though we're not in a pandemic but like for example in sweden or in in, in scandinavia like people really want to be apart from each other but during the parties they are very social uh, persons. It, it was amazing. Like the time I was in Stockholm, it was just like crazy. Yeah, uh, because, because were you yeah. in Stockholm during the pandemic or do you mean before? Like, no, before. People... Right, right. It was right. three years ago. Right. And they're super, super uh, kind people. But the thing is, they don't really engage into casual conversations. Since I come from Latin America, it's... It's very different how we live our casual day because we enjoy to talk about very banal, dumb topics like weather or how, I don't know, like how warm it is or, and we engage into conversation just from parting about uh, from that. And you can just engage a conversation between 10, 15 minutes with a total strange. Right. But that's our day at day. And it's very different in Europe. So Omegle engages persons in Europe or Northern Europe into a casual conversation, which is a very nice thing to do from my right. perspective. Right. No, I agree. I totally agree. And I think that's, you know, uh, I think that's what the Scandinavian or Nordic countries are sort of missing because they, you know, uh, you could say that they were socially distanced even before the pandemic, you know, like, uh, we uh, especially like you said in Stockholm I'm from Oslo so these are like major cities uh, in Scandinavia and so people are probably more metropolitan in their behavior like they're more like okay you go and you do your shit and then I'll do my shit and then if we have business together then we'll talk yeah. you know or if I'm super drunk then we'll talk yeah. but it's not like I don't think it's uh, normal to just have this um casual conversations with people and i think for some people like uh, if you have the social skills and if you're really extroverted that might be like a major setback so i think you know like you said like coming from latin america where you're kind of used to talking with all these people that you don't know all these like uh aunts and uncles do you have a lot of like aunts and uncles like friends of the family people you barely know stuff like that yeah yeah like um i have 40 48 cousins so right right there you yeah. go yeah <laughs> we're, we're a huge family right right so yeah i don't know 
so it's uh so it's a bit interesting actually i was um at school like because now i live in lillehammer which is like a smaller uh city in norway and uh i was just going into this like room like study room that i booked online and so there was already a girl in there and so so this has happened to me before and so i just you know i said well you know i booked this room please get your stuff and get out of here you know and uh and she was like yeah yeah no problem yeah and then she just started talking and I didn't know this person. I was very like, maybe Corona fucked me up or something, but I was very like... Um, annoyed. Yeah, I was shocked, surprised, you know? Not really annoyed, but just like surprised that someone that didn't know me said hi. Wow, okay. <laughs> like said hi and was yeah. like, oh, okay, so what are you studying? Like, why are you going in this room? You know, uh, okay, maybe I'll see you around. And I was like... You and she was Norwegian as, as well. Yeah, she was Norwegian, but you know, I later found out she's from a smaller, smaller city or town. Oh, okay. So wow, that's 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 amazing. Like, um, there's one thing that I've learned since my this is my fifth year in Europe, and the thing that I've learned the most was to listen. Right. Because in Latin America, we just talk to talk, we just talk shit. <laughs> so we're just like what rumbling around the topic and we're just like talking shit the whole time and for example we among men we love to talk about women like mm. this is like 95 percent that's like the topic we talk about when we're engaging to a conversation so we usually just talk about women and <laughs> we just talk like nonsenses like oh yeah this girl was so hot the other day ah, yo yeah the, the, the other day I was just uh, flirting with this one and blah, 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 blah. So you just don't learn to listen because people don't usually talk about their, like their problems. Right, right, right. And friendship here in Germany means a, a nor, another whole, whole level of friendship. Like the, the concept of friendship is very different than back in my country because friends... Everyone is your amigo. Hey, amigo, amigo. Hey, amigo. Yeah, just on the street, you know? And friendship in Germany, maybe you have four, five friends at the most. But goddamn, those are your friends. Like, those are friends for real. Because in Mexico, everyone is very superficial. And they're just like, yeah, just uh, hit me whenever you want help or need help. And whenever you need help for real. They're like, oh, I'm so busy. I'm sorry about that. Mm -hmm. You know, like, right. and here in Germany, it's a whole new thing. And people th talk about their problems and you have to learn to listen, to shut the fuck up and listen. <laughs> <laughs> and that's a very hard thing for Latin Americans because mm -hmm. we love to talk. We love to talk about ourselves. We love to talk about our lives. But in Germany, it's... In, 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 in order to really engage into a deep friendship, you really need to understand or learn how to listen. Right. And this has been a very difficult process for me. But at the end, I really like, I just, I just shut up. <laughs> and it, it has been very difficult for me. But the, in order for me to get friends here, you, shut, you just have to shut up. Right, right.
And that's a thing that US Americans, for instance, don't know how to do <laughs> because exactly. they have a very similar type of life that we um, civilized Mexicans who usually live in metropolitan cities. Um, and I just like do civilized because we have a lot of in, like um, indigenous people. So they have a whole different culture. But talking about like the white Mexican dudes or just like mixture, right. um, <clears throat> we're very self-centered assholes. <laughs> <laughs> and it's, it's, it's a shame. It's a shame. Like I really criticize it and I don't know. But in, in Sweden, like it's amazing talking about like cultural differences. Um, I was wa I was waiting for the bus, and everyone was just like that was this was pre-pandemic. This was like four years ago. And I was waiting for the bus, and there was a dude in front of me, three meters away, yeah. and a girl <laughs> three meters away from me on the back. And I was like, "Am I sick? Do I like look weird? <laughs> Why are you doing this?" Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. But apparently. <laughs> As I asked a couple of people in Sweden, they told me, oh, that's the thing. Don't yeah. worry. Yeah. Yeah. They have a very like, big, like, personal space, like, comfort zone. Norwegians, too. I mean, all Scandinavian countries, I think. Yeah. I think. And that's, that's I, I don't know why. Maybe, maybe it's because we are, we have so much space and we are so few people and we are kind of reserved. So we're like, okay, why are you standing close to me? Because you have all this space. And so when you get used to all this space, even in big cities, it's like, well, go over there. We're not friends. We're not amigos. So <laughs> yeah. why are you standing in my comfort zone, in my private circle? Yeah. Uh, I think there's something like that. And, you know, I, I don't know if, uh, if that's like neutral, positive or negative, or if that's uh, going to change uh, either way after the pandemic, you know, I think it's not going to bring us like you know, I think the pandemic, yeah, I don't think it's going to change much. I think people are still going to be socially distancing in Norway, uh, like they were before the pandemic. But, um, but yeah, it's weird. Things like that are weird, like culture, dif cultural uh, differences like that. Yeah, there's a lot. But I mean, you yeah, sorry. Uh, no, no, I was just wanted to ask you about your girlfriend, like, uh, how's everything going? Oh, no, 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 I'm, I'm single. I don't. <laughs> <laughs> what? I don't Wait. have a girlfriend. Yeah, that so, was uh, that that was a woman that I am uh, living with. One of the women that I'm. Living oh, with. because you yeah. you kind of like looked very cozy with her. Like I was just like. Yeah, yeah. She we're we're friends. You know, we've been living okay. together for like half half a year or something. And but uh, well, we are three guys and two girls currently living here. And as of right now, and for the whole next week, I'm gonna be. Uh, living here by myself because everyone's back home for easter and i have my finals next week so i'm gonna okay you know put oh well then uh, success man hopefully you yeah. you get it uh is, is it actually like a thing or a rule not to live with other person in your um in your department like in your shared apartment is that is that like a thing in in, in scandinavia that we that we can't live with other people or yeah, like like to engage into a sexual intimacy intimacy with other persons in your shared apartment. Uh, 
whether or not that's socially acceptable you mean mm -hmm. or, right uh no i think i think it would be um i think it would be socially acceptable you know this is the first time i'm living like in a collective uh apartment or house um with other people paying their rent to the the uh the loan person who owns oh yes mm -hmm. um so I'm not really sure, but I mean, I wouldn't be surprised. You know, there's a there's a saying in Norway, which is uh, uh, it's not really that known. It's kind of greasy, but it's like musihus a musihus, which literally means like pussy in the house is pussy in the house. <laughs> so yeah. it's like you know, if 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 two if a man and a woman live together for long enough, you know, it's like yeah. this. It's just like yeah, mere, it just happens. Uh, it happens. It's like mere exposure effect is a term used in psychology where it's like uh, mere exposure effect is basically why marketing works. It's like if you're exposed to something for long enough, then you will just start to like it just because you're exposed to it. Right. So that's how that, you know, post in the house. Uh, yeah. Yeah. I actually talking about that, it's, it happened to me with McDonald's because back, oh. back, back in Mexico, like McDonald's, I really, didn't like McDonald's, but we don't have too much McDonald's over the place. But then I came to Germany and God, Jesus Christ, Germans love McDonald's. They love it. And I was like always exposed to McDonald's. Like, yeah, let's get Mackie, Mackie, Mackie's the shit, whatever. <laughs> yeah. And then after the second or third year, I was like, you know what? I kind of like, like, like some burgers from McDonald's. Whatever, yeah. I never yeah. eat there, never. Right. Right. But I will do it just right. for because I just feel like, feel like. Yeah. So, yeah, it's it part just, of the like, norm. It's just like, well, everyone else is doing it. It's a part of this culture. Like, yeah. it, I'm exposed to it everywhere. So, like, why not? You know. And after a while, it's normal, I guess. And talking about the like, okay, <clears throat> you're talking about that very enclosed, enclosed kind of like casual everyday seeing thing. How do Norwegians actually flirt? Like, is there like, if if there's no street <clears throat> engagement, how, right? Like, how how does it work? Well, it's uh, you know I'm not an expert on this field, but I uh, we have something that I think is very like typical, stereotypical uh, Northern European way of drinking, where it's like you. <clears throat> You go through pretty much the whole week and uh, maybe you have a glass of wine here and there, maybe a beer, but, you know, nothing serious. And then always at the weekends, everyone is out partying. It's something mm -hmm. called like Helgefila, which means like weekend drunk. And it's really just like a Norwegian way of saying like in the weekend, we let everything go. Yeah, right? That's like our bonfire, mm. uh, spiritual, tribal like that's where all Viking the, kind of right, 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 right. <laughs> so that that's where you sort of let everything go and everything's okay. But I mean, you can flirt uh, basically how everyone else in the world flirts. I mean, if you're you're just gonna have to be more aware of the social norms surrounding the situation that you're in. Like, for instance. Where you're from in Mexico, maybe like it would be more normal, and girls would be probably expecting it more to have a lot of guys approach them at the bus stop, in the bus, yeah. wherever you're sitting. Yeah. Um, but in Norway, you have to just like be aware that that's not normal. 
So you're mm-hmm. walking a very thin line. Like you have to be yeah. very smart about it and say like, hey, do you know what time it is? Okay, yeah, yeah where you're going. Even that would be weird. But I mean, like there are ways around it. Yeah, yeah, but it's like not that aggressive or at least not that aggressive as we right. Mexicans tend to be because we um, maybe we're very dumb uh, beings, but we usually approach and say something like, hey, you look super beautiful. Where are you going? Can I invite right. you a coffee? And we, we just like go straight, like straight to it, right. which might be a very, <laughs> aggre- a very aggressive move. Um, oh, it is. If, I mean, it's yeah. almost like, can you be more aggressive? I mean, yeah, unless, yeah. without touching a person, it's like you really can't. In my opinion, like the most aggressive thing you can say is something like you are born very pretty and I would like yeah. to have sex with you. It's like, <laughs> yeah. wow, okay, well, you know, okay. And then her job is to say yes or no. It's like, that's pretty aggressive. But if it, even though... Um, I just like I really like to do social experiments because um, I'm very I, I'm I'm a person who doesn't doesn't get the shame very quickly. Okay. And I'm I'm like I'm a very social weird guy. I wouldn't say that I'm like super just like mean face, just looking at everyone. Just like I'm just I'm just I, I get really hardly um, ashamed. Anyway, I was in Berlin one day, and Berlin is a huge city. Uh, and I was just like messing around, you know. I had a couple of beers, and I was like, oh, you know what? I'm just going to try something. It was middle of the day. It was like uh, 5 p.m. or 6 p.m., not middle of the day. But uh, there was still a light, and I was just approaching girls and, and, and telling, hey, sorry, uh, I don't want to bother you, but I was thinking if I could have sex with you. And you will be surprised but i would i asked like six or seven persons and they were like wow that's very straightforward two gave me the number and i was like <laughs> wow <laughs> and i was i was amazed because i was being very respectful and i was like hey sorry i don't want to bother you i don't want to take too much time right. of, of, of your day but i was mm-hmm. just wanted to very respectful know if you will have sex with me Right. I mean, that takes, it takes balls. I mean, it's a, it's a show of self-confidence no matter how it goes. So, I mean, this girl, I mean, you know, from a neutral perspective, you do look semi-attractive no matter if you're straight or if you're gay or whatever, like you are a relatively handsome man, you know? Yeah. Cheers. Cheers. (laughs) So skull. Exactly. So, I mean, like, so you have that going for you and then you have just this, like, if you do what you just said, then you just obviously have this extreme confidence. So they're gonna be sort of taken back by that. And they're gonna be like, oh, this guy's actually straight up. So he's not playing the game. He's not like being a bullshitter, like showing me his car, taking me to his house. Like he's just being straight up. And he's also saying, sorry. Um, <laughs> So, so in a weird way, they feel like kind of like they owe you something like, whoa, this guy really gave an effort and I don't despise him. So yeah, why not? Why not give this guy a chance, right? The problem at the whole experiment is that the other four persons, they were really offended by it. Yeah. <laughs> they were really offended by it. Like, you're, if, you're going all in. You're going all in like right away. Yeah, but the, like their reaction was very... Um, from my perspective, very unrespectful because they were like, 
do you think I'm a fuck like a whore or what? <laughs> They're like, no, no, I'm sorry. I'm sorry if I offended you, but I just like was trying to uh, um okay, bye-bye. <laughs> right. <laughs> <Then run. laughs> I was just being honest. I'm a human. Please forgive me. But I think like even like even if you're at like a three, four, eight, nine, just woman really appreciates self-confident men. Right, right. And, right. and that's that's a lack of a lot of my European friends that I have served. And I told them, like, what do you have to lose? Just talk to her. Whatever. Mm. It doesn't matter if it's dumb. You just have to get the number. Or at least, I don't know, her Instagram or whatever you, you get. No? Well, so, I mean, you're afraid of, you're afraid. I, I think essentially, like, right. And we can come back to this later. I just want to make a note of it. Like, how, how sure. it is to be a man these days. Like, how it is to be and do what you're just talking about want to come back to that but i think the reason for why they are or always have been like throughout history especially in 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 the in modern times like why men are afraid of say you know uh like asking women out is because they're afraid of being vulnerable and then being rejected like there's no more sad thing than a man liking a woman being vulnerable being rejected and then hating all women, right? That's sad. That's like an insult, right? Um, and that whole process is just like, it just, I mean, it makes the man like a little sad boy that no one wants to play with, right? So, and also I think essentially when women, like from an evolutionary perspective, when women reject men that want to have sex with them, they are basically saying your genes aren't good enough to use my body for reproduction. So you are not worthy of having a child that should keep on existing in this world. I would rather produce a baby that is born as something other than you. So you're basically like saying something about this man's whole existence you're saying that he is not worthy of having a baby with you which is the only thing he wants at the moment so that's i mean if there is an existential crisis there's one for you right there right it's true it's sort of true like if you talk like just straightforward from the perspective of the evolutionary process maybe that might be the situation but since I don't know, like, and from my perspective, it has to do a lot with masculinity. Like, how do you see yourself as a man? So in order, of course, you can engage, like, get engaged into a certain very specific woman. And they just, like, try and be friend zone, be vulnerable, 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 eh, vulnerable. Yep. <laughs> and then get hit hard by reaction. Because you really paid your whole attention to this woman. So I'm like my first um, rule for myself is to just go straight forward because I don't want to let her have the chance to send me into a friend zone. Mm. Because when you're in the friend zone and you have invested so much time into this certain uh, woman or person, it can be a man as well, um, then, uh, when, well, the engagement between men is very, like, just 
go for it. If you, if I like you, just like there's no like this kind of uh, conquership, at least at the most of the time. But true with like in in heterosexual flirting process, when the man really spends so much time into a person and then get they get sent into a friend zone it's a shame of course i'm gonna i'm gonna feel that i failed because i put so much effort into a pro into a project in this case my project is certain person right. um i don't want to objectify persons but i'm just like yeah the project of you being with this person doing things exactly yeah. um of course i'm gonna feel sad and i'm gonna feel um um like a failure like i failed so how do i like just curve this this process of feeling fa like failing i just don't put any effort of course few words but i have received thousands of no's in my life thousands mm -hmm. hundreds i don't know yeah. yeah but you just have to prepare your mind to get over these these rejections because it doesn't affect your masculinity right or shouldn't shouldn't affect your masculinity because that's because that doesn't make you a man at least from my point of view but in order to do that you have to deconstruct very traditional masculinity and that's a whole other subject which right. is a whole uh, long process And I don't know how it works in Scandinavia, but in Germany, they don't, re they don't really do a, a good job at deconstructing masculinity because Germans are very, very shy because they're like, I'm going to do this thing. I'm going to ask her, but holy shit, if she re rejects me, I'm going to get really hard. Uh, <laughs> I'm going to get hit really hard. Oh, hit really hard. Okay. Yeah. yeah. There's a so, difference. Yeah, yeah, really <laughs> yeah. yeah like, a huge, huge difference. Huge difference. Sorry, sorry for the yeah, um, yeah. misconception. Yeah. Anyway, um, but Germans are very shy. Yeah. Or tend to be very shy. Right. No, I think and um, for uh, I think it's the same for Norwegians and Swedish people too. And uh, you know, I think it's that's why we have this hedonistic weekend uh, drunk binge drinking uh, tradition of uh, what's called helgefilla right it's like uh, it's it's a way you know it, i don't know it's like a weird way of getting all this tension out in the weekends um, no matter what your social class or status is or you know uh, whether you're shy or not it's like everyone just knows that in the weekends like there are parties like everyone's out in the town but otherwise you have to pretty much do your your duty but I, i think this thing about rejection and creating like this whole culture of like incels that didn't really exist before right it was just yeah. like you know you see like a lot of these marriages also uh in other western countries like people would get married at like age 18 and 20 like that would be the norm and you would just stay together And it wouldn't always be just, you wouldn't be matched uh, solely based on romantic interests. Like there would be arranged marriages, even in the West. Uh, and there would be like uh, a lot of marriages just based on like, what would be your interest? Like uh, if you go a hundred years, um, 
back in time, I think like if your neighboring farm and your farm had a good relationship and both of those farmers had one had a daughter and the other had a son, yeah. it was like, well, why don't we get them to marry each other so that we can be one big farm and make even more money? And they kind of like each other. So they're just going to be married for 70 years. You know, that's how marriages were like done for most of uh, our history. And that's how they're still done in a lot of Asian countries and, and African countries. And um, this whole thing about like getting married because of romance is a pretty like new thing. And I think we kind of for, forget that. But, but back to this point of rejection, it's like, I, you know, I think it's, I think it's hard because it hits this like evolutionary nerve with some men and especially the way women are portrayed in music, like for instance, Cardi B and uh, Megan Thee Stallion, and also like in movies and this whole like access to free internet porn all the time, like it, it really puts women in this like it portrays women as in this way, which are like, as long as you can stand straight and do the job, I will fuck you. Like I am open to everyone and anyone, I am a slut. And so when you get rejected by what the society um, is portraying as people who will fuck anyone with money, you're gonna go insane. Cause you're like, I've been lied to my whole life. I thought all these women were sluts. Then I asked two people out on a date and they said, I'm an incel, right? You know what I mean? Like, yeah, yeah, I think sure. there's something there. Like it just makes it even worse, right? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. You know, cause you think that all these women are easy to get yeah. and then they're not cause they're not porn stars, you know, they're, yeah. they actually have some values. That's that's actually a very toxic lesson from how how society and media works and it's amazing what is happening, for example, with, with the OnlyFans movement. It has become a, a huge thing like in Latin America because um, Latin Americans have, like right now, they are uh, tendencing towards insults. Yeah, because, I think the um, whole world is. Everyone with internet yeah. connection. Yeah, and it's, it's crazy. Like, um, well, I'm 30 years old, so um, the whole social media thing I just like I just have Facebook, I have Instagram, but um, I know what OnlyFans is, and this is this huge liberation from uh, huge porn platforms, and you're giving liberty to women to port, like to just display themselves in exchange for money, but then you just stop like, why do I have to? put myself into the into the line as a man if i just can like give 10 bucks a month and then just see this woman naked so i would just why do i have to to do the whole process and even put myself on the line and be rejected if i just can masturbate to watching her move like images and videos on OnlyFans? and that's right. that's and the whole course, thing like of course you have unlimited free internet porn as well as well so yeah. the how social media is working right now towards um making everyone to be afraid of 
normal interaction or normal human interaction is incredible. Mm. It's just, yeah. I'm amazed by it because I just don't see how like the interactions are way, I, I just can't understand them right now because it's a whole new world. Yeah. And the new generations, they just like Snapchatting, um, nude setting, like it's it's a whole new thing. Like I, I, I have to be like being very seriously, talking very seriously about the topic. I just can't understand it wholly. Mm-hmm. How it, it changed from just like talking to a, just like being nervous, talking to a woman in a very like um, sober environment. And as well, like being drunk, yeah, of course, let's dance and whatever. But it's just have changed the whole the whole game. Yeah. And it's it's I don't I don't even know how it's gonna like society is gonna be be behaving in 10, 20 years. Yeah, who knows? I think it's uh it's so difficult because you know <laughs> you know <laughs> it's like at the same time, I feel like it's a paradox because we're two relatively young men, white men, talking about how it is like all these women are whoring themselves out and it's so hard to be a man and like you know, <laughs> all these incels, like, oh, it's a shame society made us incels. <laughs> it's a shame like, society. It's a shame. But, yeah, you know, but... it's like, uh, I, I think there's something in there because I think like society is sending mixed signals. And uh, I also think it's like, you know, with this whole thing with, only fans with uh, free HD unlimited access to porn at all times with no like no smart way to make sure that no one under 18 reaches it right because um, it's just on the internet and you can just press yes I'm over 18 and you're in yeah. um, I think all of these like impulses like only fans online porn with free access for everyone with an internet connection, uh, social media, uh, especially like Instagram where people are like, they're only like an inch away from OnlyFans. You know, the only thing is they're not taking any money. (laughs) Like there are a lot of women on Instagram that are not making money because they're not influencers or porn stars or celebrities, but they are whoring themselves out on a daily basis because they are addicted to the dopamine surge that they get from the likes and the attention that they are getting from other people on these platforms that they admire that are doing the same thing. And so it's like you have these... I don't know. I, I really don't know what to make of it, but it's like, yeah, I, I mean, I'm just perplexed by the whole thing because this is the society that we're living in now. And, and uh, you know, these are, if, if I was a woman born, if I was a woman relatively attractive, born in an age where social media and Cardi B is the norm, like I would probably do the same thing. And if I had a job as a waiter um, and uh, got fired from my job because of Corona and I had a nice ass and some nice tits, I would probably start making money on OnlyFans. Like it's a job. It's a way of making money without having to suck all people's dicks. Yeah, yeah. You know, Which it's is... like, it's it, it's 
I don't know. Like I kind of, I can, I can appreciate it too, like as a side hustle and I can sort of in a way like appreciate the fact that these women are like owning their own body, but at the same time, they're selling their own body. So I'm kind of perplexed. It's, it's like a paradox in itself, but I don't know. I mean, this is a very sensitive topic to talk if you like you as well and me we're both white male white mm -hmm. privileged males in this world yeah so um like talking about this topic it's very sensitive yeah but um yeah. in like I'm, I'm i i don't intend to slut shame a woman because they are showing themselves in only fans quite the contrary like i i Go for it. Like instead of just selling or trying to be a porn star and yeah. just going to a platform, which is a very, um, I don't know, a very public platform like porn, porn tube or um, Pornhub, whatever. Mm -hmm. um, just try to be more discreet about your OnlyFans and just show a certain type of pictures on your Instagram and then you can just like invite other people. I, I don't intend to slot shame at all. Like, yeah, no, I'm, no, I'm perfectly no fine I, and... I, I think I understand what you're saying. It's just like, uh, you know, and I agree. It's just like, uh, <laughs> you know, it's, uh, what's it called? It's like offer and demand. Is that a term? But like, yeah. A market, yeah. a free market, a capitalist free market, market, right? Yeah. So you want to get likes on Instagram, better show some ass, right? And so everyone wants to be liked on Instagram because that's like a para universe to the real universe that we live in. And so like, I understand that you want to be liked on Instagram. And so I understand why you're posting pictures of your ass and selfies. Although there's like really no logical reason to argue for why you should expose yourself like that other than your excessive need to be liked and so you know i think if people try to really <laughs> self-analyze why we're posting all this weird shit that we're posting on instagram if people really started to realize like what's my motivation for doing this then I think they would realize that they have been sold a lie or told a lie about this whole thing. Like, oh yeah, you need to have this big of an ass. You need to be on this vacation. You need to have this car and you need to make sure that you take pictures of all of this shit happening and post it on social media. And that's the way you get friends. That's the way people accept you. Okay. Uh, they're not going to accept you for who you are without makeup, without having a social media account. And uh, so, so that's, yeah, I don't know. That's one thing. But uh, back to back to the other thing I wanted to make a note of uh, earlier, like this whole thing about being like, you know, this whole thing about incels and uh, being a man, uh, a young man, not necessarily white man, but just like a young man in the Western world in the me too generation um uh, i don't know like you're a bit older than me like five years older than me but how do you uh do, do you have any thoughts about that like 
this me too thing and like i mean because you're you're talking about approaching women on the street saying hey sorry to bother you i would like to have sex with you is that okay you know um i will like i will be i will be wrong if to say that that is necessarily political correct to just approach a person and just offer like i mean like not not even offer just ask if they're sexually interested into you um it's a very hard topic because as i want to like for example oh by the way um just talking i i really talk about this with my new girlfriend do you remember that i was married and then i had oh, like you're a, not you're not married anymore I'm not married anymore. No, oh. <laughs> on the paper, yes, but okay. yeah, I just so uh, we have changed. to talk about this. We have to talk about this. Jesus Christ. Okay, because I was like kind of prepared to uh, like ask you a couple of questions about. I mean, I could still do that, but I mean, like about this whole arrangement that you had with your wife, right? Because oh yeah, if we're just uh, you know, and and correct me if I'm wrong, and I'm gonna let you like talk about it and explain it in deeper detail but you had last time we talked which was like four months ago four or five months ago uh, you uh, explained to me that you had an arrangement with your wife that was pre pre-arranged before marriage about how uh, you it was like a one-way polygamous relationship where you were allowed to have sex with all these other women that you felt like and she was not and then you had some rules that you had to follow about where and when and what but other than that she was fine with you having sex with other women right or exactly well um i will go back to the other topic later on yeah. uh but certainly it, you're right uh you remember me right <laughs> as well uh, the problem is i realized that a couple of years back uh, three years to be precise, I decided that I wasn't suitable for a monogamous relationship because I was constantly cheating on my partner. So when I met my my ex-wife, um, be before we went into a relationship, we settled down certain rules. And I was perfectly okay if she wanted to be with other dudes even emotionally or sexually, I'm, I'm actually not jealous. I, I wanted her to, to a certain point, I was like, if you want to introduce them to me, that will be even better because I know how can, like how, what a kind of person he is. And I know that he's treating you well, but yeah, pretty much. Um, I told her, well, I'm polyamorous and I like, I, this is like, my only expectation from the relationship but as well as i have the right to be poly polyamorous you have the same right as well and if you choose to be polyamorous or not that's your choice and i respect that whichever your like your choices but at the same time i was like okay well i'm flirting and i'm dating other women so if you're okay with that i want to like I, like put a structure in our relationship where you're my priority number one 
and after one, like after my priority, I want, I, I will, and I want to engage sexually and emotionally with other persons. So I'm allowing myself to love other persons. She wasn't totally okay with it, but she decided that she was going to work in order to tolerate it. And it's, it was a very hard thing to, to like establish because there's a lot of insecurities. She was talking about how, like, what if you meet someone new and then you fall in love with this person so much that then you want to replace her with me or, uh, uh, yeah, her with me or in my position. So I was, I was like, okay, I know what I'm doing. So don't worry about that. Um, after a while, we were just like having this, this whole structure and I was poly, being polyamorous. Actually, my current um, partner, like well, my current partner was a, a side partner in my past relationship. I feel like that's written in the stars. Like, wasn't that doomed to happen? Like, <laughs> it actually, it wasn't, it wasn't actually intended to be because after, like, it was, it, it, it happened, like, it's a very complicated situation. I met my wife 10 years ago, but we started dating three months before getting married. We got married because of papers so that she could come up to Europe because she came to me. And we were trying to date like for three months. We were just like, I really like you. I met you before. We, we met each other at the university back, back in Mexico. And I was like, sure, I really find you very, very attractive. So, and I really like your personality. So let, if you want to come to Europe, live with me. We will see if this works out for three months because with your passport, you can live in Europe for three months as a Mexican. And we just tried it out. And after the three months, we were like, okay, maybe we went to see if this works any longer. And we were like, yes, let's do it. So we married. She got the, her, paper, uh, her papers and then she came to live with me. And after a couple of months, I realized that it, is, it wasn't how it imagined it to be. So then you had been married for a couple of months. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I was okay. married for one year, one month. One, okay. So when we talked, then how long had you been married? Uh, there was like, that was last year, November, I believe. Yeah, yeah. So I was, oh, wait, no, that was less than a year. So at the moment, when we, when we, when we talked, it was 11 months. Okay, so it was just under a year. But you had yeah. known each other for 10 years. Yeah, <laughs> like we were just like coming forward, visiting each other. Um, having very a very emotional and sexually like a good connection right sexually and emotionally right. we're like i don't know let's let's see if this this works out but it didn't for me because um it, it didn't have it didn't have anything to do with our dynamic but more living together hmm. And there are like thousand things that I can list up, but it, it didn't work out for me, at least. Right. Living yeah. together. Yeah. So I was like, okay, um, what do you want to do? I want to separate it, uh, like separate the whole relationship. And I was like, okay, I want it, I want to do it as well. 
So let's do this. We, we were super political the whole time. And um, of course, breaking up is always emotionally charged. So we were very sad. It was very comfortable for both of us. But then it just happened. She went back to Mexico. And um, I kept dating my order partner. And I was like, okay, do we want to keep dating or this is like a thing for you and we were, she was like yeah sure and um she, well she's back in my living room actually <laughs> right now <laughs> and uh we're very happy uh, together like right now i'm, glad, I'm yeah. actually we, we like she knows of course because she she knew that i was married at the time right um so, how long so have you, she have knows you... that how long have you guys been together then? Because she was your lover while you were married and now you are a pair, but you're not married, right? You're just, you're just together. Yeah, yeah. Well, we're just together. I just got married because of the papers. Okay, 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 okay. okay. Because my concept of marriage is differs very differently to what it actually is established by the society or the state. Right, but what, what strikes me the most is that you are... Uh, you know about this whole marriage thing right is that you are living in germany so that's i would say that's a more liberal nation when it comes to religion and marriage than mexico where there's a there's a lot of catholics and like devoted christians or am i wrong or right so so oh no you're right so your family are they catholics or yeah yeah they're catholics so that was a bet by my <laughs> it was said, but i mean it was a pretty decent bet i mean most yeah yeah no it's yeah. yeah so 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 marriage in catholicism i mean for a catholic is, isn't that pretty serious it was like it is um right. my mom was shocked when, when you, i told her when you uh split broke up or when like when we married and when we split up <laughs> like oh okay i tried to explain to my mom that marriage has disintegrated for for me um as um as a like a, a conceptual thing mm. it doesn't have the same meaning for me so i was trying to explain to my mom mom i just met this girl this is just for the papers um we're gonna marry okay, so le you, you told her this is not a religious thing this is just totally. she needs more than a tourist visa yeah yeah totally, totally. oh wow so she she must have been kind of like like you said like shocked or kind of like wow you are you cheating the system are you using this for a <laughs> like a wrong reason or oh no i like i was totally using you it as a whole instrument so mm. this is just an instrument for us to be good together don't get surprised this is going to be a legally like illegal stuff and we're going to say in a paper and that's going to be it. Mm. But uh, mm -hmm. whenever we feel like just marrying and like celebrating and inviting everyone that we're going to be into a long-term relationship, then we will see if we want to make a party or something like it. I do right. believe in God. And I'm by, by um, birth Catholic or right. by true baptism. Okay. So I'm Catholic. But I don't necessarily agree with the church anymore, as it is right now. 
Okay, so you believe in like uh, you know Jesus Christ and died for your sins and everything and heaven yeah. and hell and yeah. sinning and all that. But is it like, uh, but let, but your mother is a Catholic as well, right? My mother is a very conservative Catholic. Yeah, very conservative Catholic. So she, her uh, perspective on or her concept of marriage was very different from yours, and her concept of marriage was also very catholic and so do you think that your perspective on the concept of marriage is not catholic like you sort of erased that part out of catholicism out of the church and just said like well this like jesus would do this as well like he would <laughs> give give my wife more than a tourist visa even though he's not monogamous or like you, you know what i mean like yeah like it's not that big of a deal i mean I still believe in the Bible. Um, I don't want to get into technicisms about what, yeah. how I believe in, in like how my, my, faith, my faith actually is structured. But I will say that, yeah, Jesus is not going to, or God is not going to judge me if I marry someone just to see if, I, if it, like, it's a sustainable relationship or not. Right. From my point of view, he would just go like, son, do whatever you please, you please. Like, right. do whatever you want. Okay. I, like, just, just be, be kind to each other and you're good. Do whatever you want. So, you like, yeah. yeah, they just have a very benevolent um, picture of God, to be yeah. honest. I think I can uh, sort of resonate with that, although I'm not like a Catholic or a devoted Christian or anything. I think like it's hard to be uh, a Christian if you think that you're going to go to hell if you sin. Yeah. Because the whole idea about Christianity and really most religions is that uh, you know you are a sinner that's why you need religion and so like of course no matter what you do you're going to be like lined up with all these other people who didn't necessarily marry uh, in a polygamous relationship but you're <laughs> going to line up with these other cartel members who kill people but you know they believe in jesus so th of course they're they know their sins they're going to go to heaven you're going to go to heaven like you know your mom or whatever who maybe cheated on this one exam or whatever like everyone sins in one way or the other right yeah and so that's why you become a christian is because you realize that well jesus died for our sins and so you know we need his blessing and so that's that's why we're going to go to heaven or am i like am i completely wrong but i think i think that's somewhat right right like yeah, you yeah, know you're, you're a sinner and then Exactly. So it actually, like, you, you have to repent about your sins. Like, whenever you, you make a sin, you have to realize about your sin and then just don't repeat it. Because if you repeat it, then you're in constant sin. Of course, there's a lot of interpretations about this. Right. <laughs> so you have the evangelics, you have the Orthodox Church, you have the Catholics, you have sub-religions that derive from the Catholic, uh, the Catholic Church. So, or the, the Catholic beliefs or the Christian belief. So it's a very hard thing to just generally say. So everyone has their perspective from it, but my own perspective from it is exactly as you 
as you say. I don't. Okay. I I even believe that Hitler, back on the day, um, she like he he um have to stand trial, and he might get into heaven because, yeah. Yeah. I from my belief I don't I, I'm 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 um liberal left. Yeah. Okay. And I don't necessarily believe that Hitler was evil. Yeah, not pure evil. He was yeah, a human. Yeah, because th this whole like thing or concepts about like pure good or pure evil, it doesn't exist for me. Just, mm. just sort of, where is good? Where is bad? Mm. Like, what makes you feel uh, bad? And what makes you feel good? I, for certain, I don't feel good giving 70 euros a month to the Catholic Church. That's why I just backed up from the church. Mm. But I prefer to take these 70 euros and give it to persons who really need it. Yeah, yeah. You know, That's so what the church I'm just feeling uh, myself. would do as well, right? That's their whole exactly, exactly. job. Yeah. I don't want to get, like, to give um, some, some priests in the Vatican, some gold, gold Rolex with my money, thinking that I'm helping other persons to get enriched with God. But there's so much misery in the world that I would rather give those 70 years to someone else yeah. or to an institution who makes good things for people. So I, 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 I enjoy charity. I enjoy to help people. I, I really like it. So everyone has their good evil side whatever but i might think that i'm gonna encounter hitler up there like we're all human yeah. and maybe he was very extremist yeah he was fucking he, he was crazy like yeah, I will, yeah of course i didn't i i think he didn't quite dimension the consequences or the effects of his decisions mm. but i won't remark hitler as the evil from evils yeah, I, I I think you know. Although we're two white men talking about how Hitler wasn't really that much of a man. yeah, yeah, I know, I know. <laughs> it's, it's a, I just it's a weird subject, but I I do yeah. agree with you. Like from a neutral perspective, it's like you have to realize he was a result of his own environment and time and place and genetics and just maybe he wasn't all there like psychologically. Like you have to just realize that he wasn't Satan. He wasn't like, yeah. although he's always portrayed as, oh, like Trump is the next Hitler. Like, oh, you're just as mean as Hitler. You're a fucking devil. Like he's not pure hate, right? He was a human being. Like he didn't murder all his dogs, for instance. Like, you know, all these things. Like he didn't uh, stab his wife on a daily basis. You know, it's like he wasn't pure evil. He wasn't the devil, but it's just easier for i think you know categorical reasons to just like place him as like oh what's what's evil oh hitler was evil he's the pinnacle of evil like he's a symbol he's a person that's a symbol of the human devil and then okay well what's what's good well okay let's say jesus existed and he was a human he's the symbol of perfect human being goodness that behavior is perfect yeah um, so i think it's just a way of 
for people to make it like humanize or, or, or dehumanize, if you will, but just like make a symbol into a human being and take it from there. Exactly. I wouldn't, I wouldn't necessarily say that he was a healthy man, uh, a healthy person. I yeah, no, like, he I, was a drug he addict was very too. Sick. He took a lot of crack or methamphetamines and, you know, went crazy. But, but I mean, like he, you know, he, uh, he was, I think he was like the son of his, like his mother was his father's um like oh i'm gonna get this wrong i know i'm gonna get this wrong but i saw it in like a movie i think it was der untergang or no the der untergang was only like the last days but it was another hitler movie about like how he came to power i think and it started with him because he was from uh, austria right so it was like how he was almost an incest uh kid or a result of incest so his father was like the uncle of his mother oh okay or something like that and of course that's gonna fuck with your genetics yeah and of course he went through world war one and his whole like crew got killed by this mustard gas and he was like in very bad shape and then Germany was in very bad shape. And then like he tried to be an artist or something and like he couldn't get into art school. And just, he just like, his whole world was like constantly falling apart. And his whole country was like this, the, like Germany was just like in, like everyone in the world hated Germany because of World War One, right? And so they were in like economic collapse because they owed all these countries so much money because they went to war against the fucking world. <laughs> and so, of course, the whole world is going to want their money back. And like he just said, like, fuck it, I'm going to I'm going to do some shit now and fuck everyone. Germany is going to be great again. You know, and That's... oh, sorry. Uh, yeah, no, I had nothing more to say. Yeah. <laughs> um, that's a problem. And that's exactly the danger when you put when you put a mentally unstable man who hitler hitler ha had clearly ptsd from world war one yeah like clearly he was yeah. he went to like whole shit i don't want to victimize him but because i don't i, I want to be very political correct like I'm, i'm being super political incorrect the whole time yeah so you're being honest you're being you telling what you know what you reflected about and that's like <laughs> that's all you need to do i think like you can't really be afraid of um, or like constantly thinking about if you're gonna offend someone or not because you're gonna offend someone you're gonna offend someone no matter what you say so you know just say it. you're not gonna offend me And I'm not a Nazi, but I'm just saying, like, you're not gonna, you're not gonna offend me. So, yeah, yeah. the The whole thing is um, how mentally, like, how mental health actually makes a difference into positions positions of power. Like, we mental health has become a such an an important topic right now because we we have always ignored it in the medicine yeah. Yeah. for the past i don't know like it, it has become important for the past two decades or something like that 
three decades at yeah. max. Yeah. And you see the whole thing what happened, like that happened in Vietnam and how all the soldiers are getting, they, do, they just can't sleep since then. Yeah. So you see the whole. And useless and drug addicts and don't get any yeah. help. Yeah. And it's, it's a shame. So th this is exactly why do you have to pay so much attention into mental health? Because that's exactly what happened with Hitler. He yeah. was a mentally unstable man. Yeah. But he, he was like, oh, yeah, like he's, he's resonating with all this um, society context that is happen, happening right now in the country, economical-wise, socially-wise, um, against the Jews. Yeah. Um, and they just like resonated with the people and they were like, oh, yeah, yeah, I, I, I really like, like his, his train of thought. Yeah. But he was really sick. Yeah. Yeah, and that's a problem. And uh, well, you know, the whole—I think the whole—it resonated because the whole population was sick. You know, I, I'm not going to say the whole population was mentally ill, but you know, it resonated with people because they were also in a very bad state. And and you know, Germany after World War One was like worst country in the world. It's like you are the devil country of the world. You are the first country that went to war against the whole fucking planet and you lost and you killed a lot of innocent people. Like, fuck you. Like the whole, the whole world is going to get their revenge. And so it was literally like Germany against the whole world. And of course, the negotiations about like land and money and like, how much do you actually owe the world? And like, you know, we need our money back and everything. That's why it was an, an economic collapse in, after World War One in, in Germany because they were, you know, like the losers of the First World War. And so, of course, like no matter what Hitler said, like about rebuilding Germany or making them great again or like blaming everything on the Jews and other people because they are inferior or like they're untermensch, right? Like they're not human. And we need to be ubermensch, right? We need to be like the superhumans. Uh, like, I can see how that's appealing. I can see how that in that time and space, like, that's appealing. It's like, I can understand after living in Minnesota for two years, like, I can understand why Trump's appealing. I can understand why that resonates with a large uh, part of the American people. Of course, he's mentally ill. Of course, he's racist. Of course, he's discriminating against people. Of course, he's just self-interested. But a lot of what he's saying is resonating with a large part of the population because they have really nothing to lose. Their country, their, their, their personal way of life and their future is going to hell. The country is going to hell. It's an empire waiting to fall. Uh, just like Germany was after World War One, and they're looking for like a you know a first-time dictator that just tells them what they want to hear, like an echo chamber. They're just like they're seeing themselves and their own opinions like uh, pinpointed on a stage for the whole world to see. And of course, that's attractive. Like I can understand it. If your whole family's on opioids, you have no health insurance. You, it costs money to get an education. Uh, like people are getting killed at schools every day. So even if you pay to go to a school, you're most likely gonna get killed. Like the whole system is falling apart and everyone's corrupt. 
So like, why not, right? And I think that's what a lot of people felt in the 2016 elections or yeah, 16. Uh, so I can understand that. At the end, you're mortalizing the demortalized and that mm -hmm. happens in, the, in both situations. Yeah. Going back to the topic, yeah. So it doesn't necessarily, um, I, don't, I don't necessarily believe in good or evil, but um, I just want to put very clearly in my relationships that I don't, <laughs> I don't like have this, this, that, like uh, you're evil or you're good or, um, and so I just have necessarily this relationship with the church about what's evil or what's, what's good. Go, going back to the, yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> <laughs> whatever. Um, so, um, yeah, my mom had a, a, a bad time just like getting with it, mm. but, uh, yeah, she was, she was like, at the end, she kind of understood, but uh, now I just kind of like divorced. Still not legally, but uh, we just we decided just to don't um, keep with the relationship. And my mom is she's having a a hard time just yeah. like processing the whole thing because oh you're just you're married for one year almost so um um okay <laughs> yeah. It's hard and, to tell her Catholic friends, probably. You know, it's probably hard to like. Oh, my my friends think that I'm I'm the, the devil. Yeah, yeah, yeah. For for instance, I'm I'm very open about my sexuality, and I yeah. was talking about like talking that I'm attending to certain fetish parties. Yeah. And um. Fetish I tell, parties. Didn't I tell you before? No, maybe. I mean, I was a bit drunk last time we talked, but oh, okay. Fetish parties. What's what's a fetish party? Like a party where everyone knows your fetish and you just do a lot of that, or? <laughs> so the the fetish scene in Germany is a very open, or yeah, it's a very open world. So I, I have a, I, I don't necessarily um, tag me as a latex fetishist. But I like to see latex on women because it's a very appealing material. Okay. <laughs> and I really enjoy seeing women dressed in latex. So it's kind of like a fashion kind of thing, but it's very sex appealing. Right. And okay. so in order to get into this kind of parties, of course, you have to wear latex. So right. I don't necessarily get aroused by wearing latex, but I do for certain enjoy women in very tight Catsuits, <laughs> tight, shiny yeah. catsuits. Yeah, right. So this conforms a, a really huge or big fundamental part of my life because my sexuality, I'm kind of hedonistic in this kind of way because I really enjoy the pleasure of conversation, sexuality, mm -hmm. uh, fetishism, and so on. So right. I'm very open with it. Um, this is this is this is me. Most of the people that know me know this this stuff about me, and um, it's a very hard conversation to engage whenever you are flirting with someone and just for the first date because I'm very straightforward with persons, but because I don't want to, I don't enjoy just like miss, um, um, I don't know, like just. In, 
Small trying talk? to cheat persons into getting along with me or yeah. picture a false uh, a false display of myself mm. um i just but, but it's really difficult to tell someone that you just met for once that you are polyamorous and that you attend to fetish parties yeah <laughs> <laughs> because these two things really um they, those really represent my person Really? I really so, enjoy to go to so various parties. You you would say that those two things are a big part of you. Yeah, yeah. I won't. I have. I, I don't have a, like a percentage for it. But yeah, but they're I, they're a defining part of your personality, right? Yeah, exactly. Okay, exactly. Um, and um, I'm, I'm since I'm hedonistic. For me, like I'm, I have a master's degree, but for me, the whole profile and qualifications thing, it's 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 for me it's not at a, an, an objective reach in life okay there was a thing that i made for me to get easier like a, a good paid job don't don't like get too much trouble into financing myself and um my career and my family and whatever it comes after in the future mm. uh at the same time if i'm trying to be a freelancer or whatever but for me, reaching my academics, moving to another country, it's just like it's, it's just like part of the life. Mm. This is not my like my objective in life. My objective in life is enjoying persons through conversation, through bonding, yeah. and of course through sexuality. Right. This is my my like just enjoying this, like just the pleasure of knowing people and engaging into an intimacy, emotionally intimacy with them and sexually as well. This is my whole point in life. Yeah. So I'm not like, I'm not trying to get rich. I don't find like money is, is good. Like I can buy things. I can, I can like, I can go into vacation with my partner. I can go to Cuba. I can have lots of, Fun adventures uh, in the sexual yeah. world as well. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, I don't want to get too much into my private, like in my intimacy, but we do a lot of crazy things. Right, experimenting your experimentation, yeah. and it's an experience and memories that you can appreciate in the moment because you realize life is in the moment. It's not how much you have on your bank account when you're dead or when you're close to dying. You want to spend your energy and youth to its maximum potential rather than spending your youth and energy on acquire more knowledge about everything and anything that will make sure that you have a really rich career and just like in the stock market or whatever exactly so right i can i can appreciate that and i can resonate with that as well i think you know I am uh, 25 this year, but I think I realized like looking back at my life and my, I guess my youth, like from 18 to now, the last seven or eight years, like I can realize and like I can reflect back on the last eight years that I've lived in a relatively grown up age and realize that it's the experiences that I appreciate the most, right? Like um things i've seen people i've spoken to like uh extreme things i've done extreme sense experiences 
whether they are drug induced or not, right? It's like, those are the things that I can really appreciate even after they're done, or even like if they had some negative consequences afterwards, because it's like, yeah, I did that. I know what that feels like. I know what that like maximum feeling of that feels like. And so it's like, I can die happy just having had that feeling rather than like um, feeling that, yeah, I have enough money to survive, but I need even more money because money, which is a symbol really by itself, it's like, you know, when I was like 12, 13, 14 years old, I only wanted to be rich, right? But then as I got older, I realized, well, why do I want to be rich? And I realized it was like, mostly because I wanted the attention, admiration, and also because it represented like a potential of energy. It represented like, like if you had a million dollars, like that represents potential. It's like potential for destruction. You can, you know, hire a lot of hitmen to kill people, right? You can also (laughs) buy a lot of drugs. You can buy property. Like it's a, like a million dollars is potential, right? So it's what you do with it. That's actually what you, uh, that's, that's the worth, right? You, if you have a thousand dollars that in itself, like you can eat a thousand dollars, but it's like, that's nothing. That's just a symbol. But if you go to the store and you buy a lot of things for a thousand dollars, sometimes when you buy a lot of things for a thousand dollars, you feel sad because you just exchanged a lot of dollars for a lot of food that will keep you uh, (laughs) energized and alive. But really what you've done there is that you have mixed the symbol, which is a thousand dollars with the actual experience of eating all that good food or having that good drink. So I realized like, of course, I need to value the experience more than the symbol. And although it'd be nice to have a billion dollars, really, it's like, I can have a lot of those extreme experiences if I just save up money for a couple of months. And I can have exactly the same experience. Like I can still go skydiving. I can still do this and that. I can still travel to everywhere in the world for very little money. And so, yeah, I, I, I would say I'm a hedonist. Uh, if I had to choose like a life philosophy, I would say I'm a hedonist in the same way. Yeah, it's true. As, as for like, as you said, I really enjoy um, traveling, but my most appreciated way to enjoy things is true true sexuality so for me that's 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 like my my hit point right and it's not like necessarily just to to like to have sexual intercourse with someone but everything that involves sexuality and we're talking about latex we're talking about bondage we're talking about controlling um, other persons it's um it's, it's the whole like fantasy, just getting to a realization, which really makes me enjoy my life, which is not pretty much the most orthodox to a way to enjoy life. But uh, that's for me, like, 
and getting to know new people. I really love that. Right. Like in, engaging into conversation with interesting people throughout my life with no sexual intercourse at all with those persons, but I really have a lot of joy doing it. And um, I really enjoy to hear and exchange perspectives with other persons. Those are like my top two things. Yeah, I think I'm right up there with you. I think uh, that's why I wanted to invite you on this podcast, have you on this podcast, because I remember we had an interesting conversation and this has been no exception. And, um, you know, I think like, really, if you have an honest conversation with someone, just like honest, like you're not trying to put them into a corner it's not a political debate. You're not trying to win a conversation. You're not trying to be right all the time. Like all these traps that we fall into, these social traps, um, these ego traps, really, I think like that can be so rewarding, you know? Yeah. And, uh, but then of course you have to find someone that you can actually have those conversations with, right? Cause it's like, a lot of people, especially like we talked about in the beginning or in the Northern European countries, they're very reserved in many ways. Like socially, they're very like in their behavior, they're very reserved and sort of self-conscious about how they interact with other people, what they say, you know, how they talk about their well-being and mental health or how their day really has been and everything like that um and i think that's why people go to a psychologist i really don't think it's because they need the seven years of expertise to understand their own psychology i think it's because they have no free space to talk to another human being that doesn't know them and just be honest for like an hour. Do you know what I mean? I mean, can you understand that? You can resonate with that? Because I'm studying to be a psychologist yeah, right yeah, now. Yeah, of course. Uh, and, uh, you know, we'll see how that turns out, obviously. But I still like, even if I become a psychologist, like, I still believe like just if there was some service like Omegly, but just like deeper with more like qualified human beings, like people who are not jerking off to a webcam. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but just like, uh, like just people who are like gone through some sort of process, like short, easy process, where it's just like, yeah, do you confirm like you will be like honest and we'll match you with this other person and you're going to have to talk for 45 minutes. Just talk about anything you like. And the other person has sworn to like listen to you and try and be as honest as they can, right? I think that could be just as therapeutic as talking to like another person about like your problems or, you know, whatever, your everyday life. Um, so, so I don't know, there's something, there, there's something, some aspect of that, what I've just outlined that is missing in today's society. It's true. Right? Well, in that case, I mean, since you're a psychologist, well, not maybe yet. we should- Not yet. <laughs> <laughs> not a qualified yet. Yeah. But uh, maybe we should start by ask, like, 
by asking you what are your fears <laughs> what are my fears yeah yeah i mean i have no no fear of being honest that's for sure i mean i think that like vulnerability and honesty is like a great way to actually strengthen yourself so what are my fears i mean these are like great this is a great question um but it's a question that i think i don't reflect upon very often even though i feel fearful on a like weekly basis to some aspect to some degree what am i most fearful i think i'm most fearful of living a lie like having been sold a way of life and then realizing that i have ignored my own intuition and my own potential ignored what it's like to be a human being while i'm still here because someone else told me how i should do things like society my parents my friends told me that like things like well if you're not married by 40 you're a nobody if you don't have a car by uh, 50 that's like a ferrari you are a waste of uh, oxygen you know if you don't uh, take an education get a degree in something useful you should really not exist in our society I believe that those things are really like fundamental existential lies that I conform to to some degree but I'm afraid that I'm going to conform too much. I think that's one of my biggest fears that I'm going to conform too much and really just live a lie that someone has sold to me because I'm afraid of going against society and going against what people I love tell me to do because they have been told that it's a safe way to do things and you know as i'm saying this out loud it's like i realize like yeah of course i conform to this on a daily basis and uh because i value security and the future and everything but at the same time i feel like i'm living on two levels right kind of like yourself right you're saying like you have a master's degree so you have like financial security and a and a you know like a serious career so you're not like worried about the economy as much um but you're still like prioritizing you know like sort of a hedonistic lifestyle like you have uh like uh, the sexual and the social aspect of your life that you prioritize over anything else right and i think that's um my situation as well so that's my biggest fear of course it's like other existential fundamental fears like like dying without family or friends and not really uh experiencing anything just existing i think i think living without friends and family can be fine you know it it can work but you really have to experience a lot of crazy shit <laughs> like yeah. like if you did DMT every day for the rest of your life without friends or family like and we're just on a constant different level of existence like sure that could be a way of life 
But like that's. Do you, have, you have to explain to me what's DMT. DMT is uh, what's called the spirit molecule. It's what is released in your body when you are born and when you die. Oh, okay. And it exists in uh, like um, plants, trees, all animals, all things that's alive. That's, uh, they have DMT in them, but it's only released when they're born and when they die. But the thing is that some people, <laughs> some, some smart people have, um, have uh, there's, a, there's a DMT documentary. I can't remember if it's on YouTube, probably several documentaries. DMT documentaries on YouTube or Netflix. And essentially what it is, it's like, um, it takes people into a different universe. You know, so there have been smart people like chemists and stuff that have concentrated DMT into essentially like a drug or powder. And so it's very rare. It's like ayahuasca, if you've heard of ayahuasca right? Like a tribal, like peyote, kind of peyote, but it's like natural inside of us. It's not from a cactus like peyote or ayahuasca. It's like inside every living organism. And some people have concentrated this uh, chemical into a drug and of course sold it and produced it. And uh, essentially when you hear people talking about smoking DMT, what happens is that everyone tells the same story and it's like they are dragged. It only lasts for about 15, 20 minutes, but they feel like it's lasted for hours. What happens is like they're dragged into a different universe, uh, like which they don't really understand, like mentally it's they're sitting inside. Of course, they're sitting inside their own body, but mentally they're in a different universe. And they're seeing all these like hieroglyphs and just uh, like basically a surrealistic world, right? Which doesn't exist inside their head. And everyone is always, always says that they're greeted by some like spirit. And the spirit always confronts you with like what you've done, which is like, why are you doing this? Or like, why are you eating uh, meat? when you know that that's animals or like, why are you being so mean to your father? You know, and they're really, I, I think it's just like a level of your subconscious. That's like talking to you through this chemical, but you know, whatever. So essentially, <laughs> I don't know. That's very deep though. <laughs> yeah. It's very deep. And it's, it's crazy because it's like, it's something that's released inside of every human body when they're born, but it's also released when we die. So it's like, it's something there. And it's always this chemical is like, it exists in grass and in trees and in everything we know that that's alive. So it's a very natural chemical. And uh, it's very interesting that uh, in these documentaries, like people will pretty much explain the same story. So it's like, they're meted with the same thing. It's not like marijuana or heroin where like, people just drift off. It's like they're meted with the same creature, like that tells them, confronts them with their own being. So anyways, my, my, my point was just like, if you, you know, like, like I said, back to the fear thing, like 
of course, everyone's afraid of dying alone without friends and family. And I think like the only substitute to that would be like living in a constant DMT world, right? Living in a completely yeah. different universe mm -hmm. where you're just like confronted with your own consciousness, mm -hmm. which is not a viable option. So yeah, it's true. <laughs> so, well, we'll yeah, living this reality, so we have to confront the, the the consequences of this reality. So if you, we are a very like very social uh, beings, and we need someone close to us. So without friends or family, that's gonna be hard to achieve. Yeah, yeah. So I would say that. But I do understand that. Yeah, you you are afraid of lack of liberty because you are always constantly bombarded by your like your around your environment and that you don't take your choices from yourself and it's a very understandable thing to be afraid of yeah i, I you know from what i hear from you you know about your habits and your your catholic upbringing your catholic friends and family back in mexico to me, it seems like you have maybe some of the same fears. I mean, what's what? What are your fundamental fears? What are you? Well, my my most fundamental fear is to um, lose my mind. Actually, lose your mind. Yeah. Well, yeah. Um, I think I think this. <laughs> what's that? Ellen Elontril? Yeah, this is um, an antidepressant. Bupropion. Okay. Bupropion, um, which um, actually I have, um, my family has a, a lot of history with depression. Okay. So I take this pretty much to work. <laughs> and um, the problem is my dad was bipolar oh. and had schizophrenic um, uh, uh, that, like schizophrenic um syndrome now let's diagnosis like, diagnosis yeah so um i'm taking this in uh, plus therapy in order to me for me to avoid these two things uh -huh. and this is my biggest fear to lose my mind to become schizophrenic yeah because right. i have this association um uh, thingy <laughs> which is i like time goes really fast for me, even though because I'm I'm kind of like present, and this is why I'm actually not ashamed about doing a lot of stuff because I'm not actually there. Like just my body's just like moving around. I'm myself conscious. It's just like doing things in autopilot, but myself is just like in other part, which is really hard to explain. Hmm. So um, this is a very abstract thing that I'm trying to go through therapy since two and a half years, something like that. And I'm taking behaving, behavior uh, ther therapy, hmm. which is very slow because I have to tell this everything in German. <laughs> and being a Spanish speaker, yeah. you have like, like, I have a lot of troubles just translating my whole emotions and feelings to Spanish and then doing it to German it's a very hard thing to do so i'm doing very baby like baby steps and um yeah this is this is, that's what i'm afraid of because um 
my therapist just told me like, Joe, just don't lose yourself. Just like try to be attached to the reality. So I was like, I'm constantly um, trying. Okay, I'm a here. I'm a like, just like everything is real. <laughs> so um, this is uh, this is actually a thing that I was, and I was talking about my, my ex-wife because my partner from now and I, we constantly speak about this. And because, um, like, she she hasn't been to therapy. I don't want to say this say this aloud, mm. but I think she might go. Or like, she like I will highly recommend it for her because uh, we constantly like argue, just like being sober, just like mm. plain day, just mm. eating, like like I don't know if this is reality or not. <laughs> so uh, this is <laughs> it's really hard. Um, has to get the paste to eat and um that yeah well that's my i i think this is reality this is, there's a lot of things that tell me this is reality <laughs> but uh i have got constant struggle with it so i don't want to just lose myself that's it right right well, i think it's hard it's uh it's it's hard to know if this is reality right like uh you know, there's so many theories about our existence. Like, we don't really know. There's religion, right? Like, this is sort of a playing field before the real thing. And then you have, like, yeah. all this, like, uh, uh, simulation theory. Like, Elon Musk is, like, saying, like, there's uh, the highest probability of whatever this is, is that it is a simulation. Yeah, it's please don't high. tell me about that tweet because yeah. it really fucked me up. <laughs> just, yeah, just, just don't, like, don't, I've seen don't some, fire it up. <laughs> I, yeah, I'm not going to go too deep into it. I, I'm not really sure what he's talking about either, but I, but he, uh, he, I've seen a lot of interviews where he's talking about the simulation theory thing. And it's like, um, you know, he's basically saying, well, right now we're creating AI. We're creating internet we're creating like virtual reality and um, and uh, you know computer games and whatever and he's basically saying what's the possibility that this hasn't happened before and that we are a part of another simulation like for instance when you create grand theft auto right like you're creating a simulation of real life what is the possibility that we're not already in a simulation from what someone else has created? Oh, I, I totally know what you're talking about. Uh, yeah. What I tried to say is that that's a very triggering uh, topic for me. So <laughs> Okay, so we're not going to talk about it. Yeah, I remember <laughs> just to like kind of uh, go away from that topic. He even said, because he apparently talks to his brother a lot about this. And so he had to make one place in his like house and his job where he was not allowed to talk about this and that was in the hot tub so there was only one place where it was not allowed to talk about simulation theory and that was in the hot tub so when they were in the hot tub they were not allowed to talk about this Why because exactly? they needed they needed a break from this because it was like too oh. much for their brains right like you have probably like two of the smartest minds on earth right just talking about how like, what are we doing? <laughs> and then, so they had to create a space where it's like, oh, yeah, yeah. We, we need a break. We need a break from this. So, uh, so yeah, but I, but I think your fear is, uh, is uh, of course, it's understandable. And of course, it's natural. I think 
you know, um, is one of the most rational fears there is, right? Um, because going insane means like losing who you are, right? It means like going away from this whole identity that has taken, you know, 30 years to create, right? This whole body that you are. And of course that's, it's rational. In a way it's like a mental death, right? And, uh, yeah. you know, my father too was actually, uh, uh, diagnosed with, uh, uh, schizophrenia with paranoid schizophrenia and so he was a paranoid schizophrenic and so like of course like as I read like psychology textbooks and everything which is what I'm studying now I realize like there are genetic factors that makes it likely or unlikely and everything so we don't really know and also I've also read a lot about how we don't really know what schizophrenia is like it's hard for psychologists and psychiatric people to really know what it is because it's so broad, right? Yeah. So we just say like, well, it's like a disturbed mental state where you maybe hallucinate or whatever, but and you have like weird uh, dissolutional thoughts about how the world works and like maybe you're God or maybe like whatever. And it's just like, I think it's interesting because it's such a broad term, right? It's such like, you know, there are so many uh, uh, like people who have been diagnosed with it, but we don't really know what it is. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, sure. <laughs> it's like a paradox because we've diagnosed so many people. Oh yeah, he's, he's schizophrenic. She's schizophrenic. Oh, what's a schizophrenic? Well, we don't really know, but you know, it just seems like this guy, yeah, he's schizophrenic. Yeah, just because the mind is so abstract. Yeah. And it's really hard. We yeah. are starting to mildly mind like just minimally trying to understand the mind. It's it's a very complicated thing. Yeah. I mean, but brain surgeons don't even know enough about the brain you know like Sorry. there are so many parts about the brain that even brain surgeons don't know what do they don't even know what it is right because it's so hard yeah. to to uh, just, do research on yeah gray matter is just right gray, gray matter. matter yeah it's just yeah we don't know it's gray matter <laughs> yeah he's schizophrenic yeah he's i don't know something uh but marcus i um since i have a job and i have to really uh wake up early in the morning tomorrow there's a lot of, course. of consequences of course but uh i have to go man yeah no it's been great uh gregorio thank you for uh joining the podcast i will be releasing this probably tomorrow so you know if you want to check it out on spotify or something you can just check it out and uh hopefully this won't be the last time i see you yeah let's chat a like I'm, I'm up for it like it's always a pleasure to talk with you so i'm up great. for it Great. All right, man. Uh, have a have a nice night, and uh, I'll uh, talk to you soon. You too, as well, and success with your exams. Thank you very much, sir. Goodbye. <laughs>